hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Saddlecast of this season with myself, Glenn Price, and I'm joined as usual this week by Ollie Warner. Uh, tough week, Ollie. Yes, another tough week as a town <laughs> fan. Um, mm. Two goals and That's good. real victories. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's been a challenging week, hasn't it? We've obviously had the Czech trade game, uh, which we'll sort of briefly go over. We've had one of our uh, sort of podcast uh, friends who's done a bit of peace for us on that because neither of us attended it. And obviously then a big game against Bristol Rovers at home, which again didn't go away and... Um, yeah, my first live game as well, Ollie. So it was a good chance for me to sort of see what everyone's been talking about the last few weeks and and get to grips with quite how these players play and what they do off the ball as well, which you don't quite see on sort of I follow. So yeah, I obviously came away with some thoughts on things, and I'm sure you did as well. But um, yeah, it's I suppose just from from the headlines as well, you know, that the overall league position it's 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 not gone well, has it? You know, this start. No, it hasn't been a very good start <laughs> to the season. No, that's for sure. You want to leave it at that, dear, before we rip it <laughs> <Yeah>. apart. <laughs> I don't blame you to be honest with you. It's it's tough to um. It, I think that the the balance before we get into talking about these games, it's going to be you know trying to strike the right balance, isn't it, between some people who've been throwing the baby out with the bathwater and losing their minds over this, and and some people who've been like, well, I'll stick my head in the sand and it'll all be fine. I think there's a nuanced point between both those extremes, isn't there, Ollie? And I think you know we probably at this stage fall between it, but it'd be interesting because I only briefly talked to you on Saturday about what's going on, and I think I'm quite interested to see what you think about not only the overall situation but quite why it's not clicking and I think that's a question that we had with one of the fans isn't it so um, yeah I suppose with, with everything that's gone on this week I, I guess let's crack on with it Ollie and, and start uh, start talking about the games Low ball in towards Steve Steve's turns the defender and scores what a cracking turn from Ian Steven so the first game this week, as I mentioned in the introduction, was a game that myself and Ollie didn't go to. So, um, yeah, the basic details of it were it was the Checker Trade Trophy. Uh, we're in Group D, I think. Um, and it was obviously the opening game of, of that sort of element of the competition. So, um, yeah, we were at home uh, against Man City's under-21 team, or B team, if you want to call them that. And it was a 1-1 draw. Um, Liangol scored on 51 minutes, and then Tuazi, I think his name is, scored on 90 plus 2. So 92 minutes, um, very late on in the day. Um 1,838 fans there with 85 from Man City. Interestingly, Ollie, just before we get into the team and stuff, that's actually quite a way up on the Checker Trade Trophies games last season. I couldn't really get my head around it. You know, is Man City's under-21 teams that much of an attraction or is it people worried that they'll get shouted at for not going to the first games if we got to the final again? Well, I guess it might be a few things. I guess maybe the interesting scenes, a few Man City players, maybe interesting a few different Shrewsby players. And it's good weather, you know, um, decent temperatures and a bit earlier start time as well seven o'clock so maybe take a few kids along as well yeah exactly and, and you're right about saying sh- different shoes town players in that um there, there were a few that we haven't seen a, a fair bit this season haven't we so go on what was the team yeah so there's quite a few changes so arnold came in goal um james bolton still at right back um kennedy and waterfall partners in central defense and omar beckles came in for haynes at left back we played a more of a four-three-three than a four-five-one um, in this game. Ollie Norburn was kind of sitting, and with Gnua and Loft in central midfield, um, we had Fay on on the left flank, uh, um, and then um, Ryan Barnett on the right flank, who got rave reviews. Um, I was sitting on the yeah. disruption to this game, and then and then Lee Angle up front. So it was yeah, it was interesting to see Barnett get his um, chance. And I guess if you take any highlights from this week, then it's the fact that we've had two Shrewsbury Town youth players um, have um, first team um, appearances. Well, it's very different to Underhurst. I suppose one one thing, if we, you know, I think people are always going to compare our last manager with our current manager, aren't we? And it's a bit of, a bit of a harsh comparison, but we, he didn't really like playing youth players, did he, old old Hursty, and particularly ones from our academy. And I know that Ryan Barnett and, and Sears had got their last contracts Underhurst, but then we didn't really see, see them outside of dead rubbers at the end of the season or check trade games. And I know Barnett's only played in a check trade game here, but obviously Sears got a, a key start in a key league game as well. So hopefully that's something Askey is a little bit more tuned into in terms of. As Shrewsbury Town fans, I think we always like to see 
the young, young lads coming through the team, particularly, I think one of them, I'm not sure Barnett is, but I think Sears might be a Shrewsbury lad as well. So it's always fantastic to see someone from our area coming through in the team. So yeah, hope, hopefully we see a bit more of that. Um, but yeah, as long as it's getting results. <laughs> I would counter that argument and potentially her sign them. So he obviously did rate them enough to keep them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and potentially they weren't ready for first team football last season, but they are now. Potentially, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you don't know, do we? It's a, it's a fair argument. Um, so yeah, so at um, this point, um, we hand over to Naif um, Kevin, who is our Shrewsbury Town um, correspondent for this game. <laughs> so yeah, so um, Mr. Um, Kevin, um, yeah, over to you. So in the first half, it was evident that the under-21s were going to play in a Pep style of play. So there's obviously like a real DNA of uh, Pep's way at Man City. So they were playing out of the back straight away. And we coped really well with this. We pressed them quite high and won the ball quite a few times off them. And we were first to many of the balls. Uh, and this caused quite a few attacks straight away. One such attack saw Loft winning the ball in midfield, um, feeling it to Nyahua, who threaded a pass for Barnett, who was already looking lively. He was through on goal and kind of hit a shot first time straight at the keeper, which was a bit disappointing, but already he was kind of showing some promise at this stage. We were coming forward quite a few times at this point. Uh, and another time, Man City actually caught sleeping on a quick corner and the ball was threaded through to Loft and he had loads of time in the box and he um, kind of just dragged his shot wide, which again was a bit disappointing. So it was kind of two chances already that we could have scored. And another one, Barnett was kind of fed the ball on the right from Loft again and he crossed deep into the box uh, straight to Beckles and he just kind of did this really weak header and he was kind of like almost on the goal line and he did this weak header and the keeper just kind of gathered it up um, with his arms up high um, and it was just again quite a poor attempt um, and you really probably should have been 2-0 up or maybe 3-0 up at this point. We did eventually have the ball in the back of the net just on the stroke of half time. Um, but again, this was kind of from a, a long free kick into the box and Fajiri was uh, clearly offside. But it was quite a positive first half and we were, you know, first uh, uh, every ball and uh, kind of the better side at this point. And the second half started on much the same vein. Um, we started really sprightly and again, a lot of our threat was coming down on the right from Barnett, uh, who was who was kind of really impressing at this point. And one such, he managed to get a cross in uh, straight to angle and it was kind of like a low header and he really should have done better, but he kind of skied it over the bar. And at this point, you're starting to think it's again going to be one of those nights. But then literally um, kind of next to Attack. Again, it was down the right. Barnett again looking really good. Um, got a cross in, got deflected off for a corner. And then uh, the corner's taken kind of one in the header from Waterfall, who kind of heads it down straight to Angle. And Angle just has all the time in the world, but he just takes it really nicely and just kind of slots it into the corner to kind of get off the mark. Uh, and then the interesting thing about that goal is I think that's the first home goal that's been scored in front of safe standing. But obviously, because it was a checker trade game, there was no one there. So um, we're yet to see kind of like the safe standing go a bit crazy when someone scores in front of them. And from this point onwards, uh, the game kind of fell into like a training match, really. Man City came into it a bit more and, you know, they, they do, some of the players do show some real promise, but I think they were just kind of being a bit bullied by kind of the older guys. Uh, and I think it's quite interesting to note, you know, you, you've got these kind of young whippersnappers and you've got these kind of journeymen playing for Shrewsbury Town, you know, it's people like Waterfall. And so they probably didn't kind of like these young guys like trying to take it around them. But, you know, we, we did we did cope well with them. 
And kind of at this point, we were starting to think, you know, Askey's got his first win on the uh, board. And, you know, I was, I was feeling quite happy. I was like, you know, we've got a win and hopefully we can kick on from here. And they, they, they put up five minutes for injury time because um, there was an injury to a Man City player um, earlier in the game. Um, and people were already leaving at this point. And then um, Ryan Haynes had actually just come on and, um, and then he attacked down the right. And the poor guy, he's not having much luck at the moment, but he, you know, um, he makes a really clumsy challenge and give away the penalty. And at this point, you just see, you know, where's your luck and Man City then you know put the penalty away with ease but then there's still a couple more minutes after this because that was like the 91st minute and then we actually do get a corner and again um, Fajiri gets the ball in the back of the net second time in the game but again it's offside and, and again people are going crazy at this point thinking that we finally won and uh, what, I remember one guy was actually running down the kind of side like high-fiving everyone not realising it had actually been given for offside so and then the final whistle went and half the people around me went home and then there was much confusion and chatter as to why this game was going to penalties. Um, but to penalties it went and I have to say they were some terrible penalties. Um, we obviously won 3-1 in the end uh, on the penalties. Fajiri and Loft missed our penalties but John Lewis, Norburn and Colkett all scored. Um, and, and to be honest, theirs were no better. And it's just p- worth pointing out that they hit the crossbar on one of theirs but um, Arnold actually pulled off two nice saves on the penalties which was interesting but yeah so you know we we won we won 3-1 on penalties but it didn't really feel like a win and obviously it was only two points instead of three because of the, the weird checker trade rules um, and you do have to question the whole checker trade trophy because everyone was so confused as to well I thought this was a group stage why are they going to penalties um, but I'm going to take it as a win because I'm trying to look for every positive I can at the moment with regards to man of the match I'm going to have to give it to Barnett. He had a cracking debut. Uh, He looked really threatening on the right. And yeah, I think everyone was kind of in agreement. Um, And I'm going to have an honorary mention to Loft. He was was kind of popping up in midfield and kind of winning a few balls. And he was playing kind of a slightly more advanced role. But he looked all right. You know, obviously he's trying to kind of win a place in 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 the first team after, you know, he started the first game of the season, but we've not really seen much of him since. Um, So yeah, that's that's a one to look out for. But I, I was quite impressed by him. So yeah, thanks to Nathan for doing that. It was great to have someone's uh, thoughts from the game as well. I mean, there's not too much more to say on it really. It sort of set us up for a bigger game on the Saturday, which I think everyone was kind of looking at a little bit more. And there'll be more checker trade games and, and group games to come down the line. So yeah, I think you know it's probably worth moving straight on to Bristol Rovers, Ollie, because frankly, it, it was a big game. You know, I mean, we'll talk about getting into the team and the stats and all that sort of thing in a minute. But just on that Saturday morning, Ollie, you know, what were your what were your sort of th- feelings of it? Did you think six league games into the season you would be going to the Meadow, kind of thinking how? big this game felt in the morning I felt it was pretty big it felt like a big game Mm. Um, I think my overriding feeling was I wasn't excited to go and see the team (laughs) and I was a little bit apprehensive yeah we're playing pretty football and all that um, but if you think about like the last time we played Bristol Rovers the 4-0 mm. victory yep. at home and then also the last minute um, victory um, by Rodman um, at um, Bristol Rovers now yeah. they weren't great entertaining games for, sorry the latter game wasn't a great entertaining game of football but it didn't matter did it because getting that, um, that, um, that goal in the last minute left you on a massive high yeah. and obviously yeah. the first half against Bristol Rovers so yes performances are fantastic nice passing football is brilliant um, but getting results um makes you even happier so yes I went into this game yeah I don't know I kind of mixed feelings like I wasn't I was felt I don't know maybe a bit numb to it I was almost like a little bit you know it could go either way and I wasn't overly confident still so mm. 
yeah, that was my kind of thoughts. Maybe he was a bit different, Glenn, because I imagine you would have spoke to your parents and building up to the game, talking to Mike, talking to your mates. I don't have that as much interaction yeah. face to face. And it was my first game of the season, so I have to yeah, you know, say, absolutely buzzing. I wanted to get back down the meadow and experience get your the whole chips. thing. I've, yeah, exactly. We'll get to the chips, Ollie. We might need 25 minutes on that, but we'll, we'll come to that later. Um, but yeah, so I know that. And I played golf on the Friday with my brother and another one of our friends who's, who goes quite regularly. And, you know, we were talking about the game and everything that's gone on at the moment. So there was that sort of anticipation in building up to it but I, I, yeah, so I didn't approach it with pessimism well not pessimism sort of nervousness I think as you just described it was more I was just excited about it but at the back of my mind I, I would agree you know there is that worry that things are going to go wrong and we're going to sort of continue to go around that sort of negative spiral that some fans have been in and, and so it was, an, it was an interesting game so let's just get the basics out of the way Ollie it was um, Shrewsbury won Bristol Rovers won um, our uh, Stephen Payne scored the first goal in the game penalty um, after a foul by Waterfall we scored on 73 minutes. Um, I say we scored. Uh, I think it was Ledbetter banged a, a fantastic home goal into the top of the net, which we'll come to. Um, and they also had a red card on, on 59. Um, and we'll, we'll have a lot more to say about red cards in a minute. Um, so, yeah, um, I think there was 5,759 there. So, sort of normal, sort of early season crowd that we were getting the last few years. Um, and, yeah, we're not we're not doing well on the points, Ollie. You've got stats. One thing stands out to me on your stats you put together. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> unfortunately, at this point, you've only got three <laughs> points. We have. Uh, and we're still without a win, which is pretty pretty horrendous. Yep. Um, yeah, we pretty much dominated the, um, in terms of stats, in terms of shots. Um, we had 15. Um, they had a lot of fouls. They had nine corners. They had one. Um, interesting question for you, Glenn. How, um, I heard this on a, on a different podcast, but do you, how do you think the possession stats are built up? What do you mean? In terms of just the ones you see from Sky and stuff. Yeah, how do you think they do the percentages? What calculations do you think they do to make that? I just, I always thought it was, you know, they just time how many minutes a team had possession of the ball. So not when it was out of play. If we had the ball and we're passing it around, that's a, that's time we get. And then the same for the other team, and they work out who had the most overall. No, it's not. It's yeah, just okay. it's just the um, percentage of total passes. Uh, that's interesting. I yeah. never knew that. So the, um, there was um, this is from the Totally Football podcast, which is an excellent podcast. Um, they do loads of different podcasts now. They do an Italian one, a Scottish one, a general one, and a, a football league one. They had the guy from Opta on it, and they said they actually did a comparison. And um, so this is one of the first stats they obviously did and it was obviously a bit more complicated and also they found that the stopwatch mentality that actually had quite a few errors because people forget yeah. but then also they more recently they did a test so in total passes you know Shrewsbury passes divided by total passes um, versus the stopwatch and the numbers were pretty much the same so they just kind mm. of went with that so yeah a bit of stat trivia for you so it was possession yesterday was 49 to us and 51 yeah. to them interestingly so that tells us that they actually had more passes in the game yeah, than we did yeah, exactly. interesting. interesting interesting one yeah. so um, who played so um, we had um, Coleman in goal. Beckles came in at left back for Haynes again. Um, two games in a row for him. Yep. Um, Sadler and Waterfall uh, as normal in central defence. Um, and then we were very pleased and surprised to see um, Ryan Sears play at right back. Yep. Um, so we'll, I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about him as we go through the game. So that was fantastic to see um, a shooter ten player make his um, League One debut. So that was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I think he was more a victim of circumstance, wasn't he? Which has turned out brilliantly for him. But I think that the the, the chances were they were trying to get the Emmanuel from uh, Ipswich deal. He was a right back. They were trying to get that done on the loan deadline, which I think was the Friday before 12 o'clock. Obviously couldn't get the deal done quickly enough. So he wasn't eligible to play against Bristol Rovers. 
Bolton was injured, as, as far as I'm aware, from what I was told on, on Saturday. And so, therefore, the only other right-back we really had that was available to us was someone with a recall clause, which was Sears. And he'd been playing really well at um, Telford from the reports that we had. And I believe that Gav Cameron was very positive about him as well, who's obviously a Telford manager. So, you know, it seems to have all fallen into place for the lad. And, and, you know, we'll come on to his overall performance. But, man, he took the chance well. Yeah, and it um, seems that, um, I'm sure you listen to BBC um, Shropshire as well, um, the Telford manager said that they could have kept him, but to try and keep good relations with Shrewsbury, um, they agreed to let him go and he's, yeah, he was yeah. he seemed genuinely delighted to hear that he play, he started and he played well so that's good 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 um midfield so, yeah so midfield um norman um came in um for um Doherty, which is a bit of a surprise grant and lauren supported him with wall injured on the wings and then angle up front again so yeah yeah well, kind of i guess it's a bit of a surprise norman coming in a bit of a surprise sears mm. slight surprise beckles so again okay, changing his team um we're probably having a discussion here. There's been a lot of I've quite I've seen quite a few people on Twitter say, you know, um that you know almost criticizing ASCII for not knowing his best team. But wouldn't you also say, you know, bringing Sadler back into the team was a positive move? Playing Sears is a kind of situation of circumstance. Yeah. Um Beckles is coming because Haynes is underperforming in an offensive position. Uh, Norbans are um you know our highest transfer fee pay- player we've, we've paid for. So they all kind of make sense to me. I think it's interesting, obviously, two fans are having a discussion, and that's great. It's good to have a debate um, about team selection. But I'm not sure if it's if it's fair to say that Askey doesn't know his best team. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that, Glenn? Having only seen one game, it's quite difficult for me to tell still. Obviously, there's been some consistency in selection now over the last few weeks. So I think there are certain players that have won their places back or are in the team now that are clearly his favoured players. Um, Gilead for one he doesn't seem that he's going to drop him anytime soon outside of Checker Trade games and um, that's all well and good that might be what Askey thinks you know to me I, I still don't know whether Beckles would be better at centre-back than Waterfall from having watched Saturday I don't know whether Faye's better on the wing than Gilead I don't know whether Doherty's better than any of the other central midfielders that played on Saturday I don't know yet whether Holloway's better than Angle um, obviously they're both better than the shop I know that um, but the point is I think there's there's still for me having only seen one game on TV and one game live I'd like to see more of these players before I decide what the players I would personally think should be starting however that doesn't really matter does it that's just a fan's opinion and, and you will all have, have sort of judge that as the season goes on for what Askey thinks I think we're sort of seeing it settle down now personally um, and I think this might be right back aside the sort of team that we're going to see more often than not yeah no I definitely agree with that. I think uh, it's an interesting one about Juliet in terms of his output and his assists and yeah. chances created and maybe I'd like to see Faye given a chance so yeah, yeah but it's yeah. good to say that we've got options and obviously the lad from Chelsea wasn't even in the squad so yeah, yeah. we definitely got some some, um, some lots of options let's say yeah so just before kickoff, um, obviously we had a, a arrival of two um, players from last season. Um, Rodman, who obviously played a lot of games for us last season, and Payne, who you know contributed a lot, a lot of goals for us last season. Yeah, um, I thought it was quite an interesting um, appreciation from the Shrewsbury Town fans, and mm. it was also interesting their response to that. Yeah, so I mean, just it's interesting. I think I was probably in a little bit before you, Ollie. Um, and Payne and Rodders did sort of clap the Town fans when they came out to do their warm ups and when they were going off in their warm ups, and I think that that was fairly well received. When they came out for the game, though, they obviously had their game face on. And Bristol Rovers fans are, are quite vociferous, and I don't think you want to get on the wrong side of Bristol Rovers fans, more than, say, Shrewsbury fans. Um, and Payne, I didn't see Clap the Town fans when he ran out before the game. And Rodders did, but very, very quickly. Like It was sort of like one, two, three, and then he sort of ran back to centre circle and looked sheepish. And 
that's fine. I I don't. It doesn't really bother me to be honest with you. Ollie. You might have more of a problem with it. What I would say is, I thought they both got a very very good reception from town fans. To be perfectly honest with you, there was a lot of respect for what they did for us as a football club. Now where we sat, there was the odd bloke shouting "f you this" and "you snakes" and all that sort of thing. But I think you know you could say that was probably the five percent minority of the whole crowd from where I was sitting. Um, I thought that they got both got a, a reasonable round of applause, and I would probably expect that to happen to all the players that played for us last year if we come across them. I'd agree with that. And I think in, in terms of um, their professionalism, um, they were got a big round of applause when their names were um, read out before the game. Um, yeah. Maybe a little bit of um, kind of um, psychology gameplay from our PA to try yep. and... Man United did it when Real Madrid turned up and they you know gave a big applause to Ronaldo to try and get him almost on side. And yeah, Payne and Rodgers just kind of stood silent and still. So not surprising they did that and... No, you know, if they were our players, you'd want them to do the same. So I thought that was just worth uh, worth discussing. I think it it does show that how our season's gone so far. And thinking back to players who played for it last year and the, the memories we created, there's still so much love for that team. So oh, it's, it's going to be interesting. Team. It's going to be interesting to see when you know a few of the others come back. You know, maybe Coventry, how that's going to go. Um, Coventry yeah, be interesting. Yeah, it'd be big, big time interesting. But um, yeah, I thought I thought it was fair. And we'll come to the Payne's goal later on. But you know, he didn't celebrate, and I think that showed a very good level of respect for our football club from from Stephen Payne. So I was quite I was quite pleased with him overall in terms of his respect to the football club. He should have just missed the penalty. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, definitely. It was not a bad penalty, and yeah, Colman nearly got to it. So, how did the game kind of start? Mm. The first highlight we've got here, Glenn, is a um, foul on Norburn by um, by Martin, who later got sent off. Um, and I've kind of put here it was the start of things to come. Yeah. Did, were they dirty? Were they Bristol Rovers? I didn't really notice. No, God Almighty, they were one of the biggest bunch of cloggers I've seen for a while. And, <laughs> you say something else then? No, no, <laughs> I, I, keep the other, I keep the other C word off the podcast. Um, I think it's worth talking about the approach Bristol Rovers took to this game. Physical, aggressive. Um, you know, they they were they playing for a point. I don't know. They were quite attacking actually. To be fair, I thought they they had a go when they needed to have a go. But certainly their physicality. I it's it's a bit weird one. Cynical. Get a lot of players sent cynical. off. Cynical. Yeah, yes. that's a good word, Ollie. They'll get a lot of players sent off this season, but sadly, it's the sort of football that will definitely keep you up this season. They'll, they'll kick enough teams off the pitch to sort of get 50 points, unfortunately, and it won't be worth what, much fun watching it. But, you know, it, it does do a job, unfortunately. It's cost them a point in this game um, on the basis of what happened. But, yeah, some of the fouls were just ridiculous. Real, real late and, and cynical fouls, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was very interesting the way that they just tried to hack up players. Um, so <laughs> I thought it was just worth... It was the first highlight of um, the extended highlights, so it's worth putting in there. Um, um, yeah. So town started okay-ish, you know. It wasn't yep, yep. it wasn't a, a terrible game of football. It wasn't the best game of football ever. Um, Some nice build up um, and play from town. Um, Gilead um, runs across the box, plays to Worley, um, and he has a shot at goal. But maybe I'm being a bit um, positive there for Worley. He shot at the player. The player was blocking the goal and. Wally's a fantastic player and he's definitely our probably most effective player going forward um, but he definitely mm. didn't have the best game um, in this one um, he seemed a little bit selfish and he just head doesn't seem in the right place in this game very odd like I've heard so many good reports about Wally the last few weeks and him being our standout player and you'd obviously given him man of the match in a few games you'd seen yeah. and, you know everything was really positive it, to me, it was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance. And and to me, the way I'm summing up Wally at the moment from watching him on Saturday, and I've been watching him on previous occasions for the, the hundreds of games he's played for us, is when he's out really wide and he isolates the right back or another defender and he's one-on-one, he is devastating at this level. He's very difficult to deal with. Um, he's a he's a tricky player. He'll get in the box, he'll drive on, and you know he caused that's the sort of thing that caused the assist. I think out there, he's, he's one of the best in the division in terms of an out-and-out winger. 
as soon as he drifts in field, he loses so much from his game. His 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 radar just doesn't seem as in tune as it is when he's out there on that byline. You know, almost all the balls he gave away on Saturday, and there were a lot of misplaced passes and and stuff. Were trying to play clever inside balls and and you know trying to trying to link play. And I, he's played in that number ten role before and it hasn't really worked. And so I I just wish he would stay out wide because he's so much better. Yeah, I agree with that. He's, I'm getting a little bit frustrated. Um, with this this tactic that we have, um, Gillette doesn't seem to do it as much, but Wally seems mm. to have completely. T- he used to do it last year under Hurst, but Hurst obviously yep. clearly didn't instruct him to do it. I prefer to see our wingers stay out wide until we yeah. get very much get in the last third and then get in the box because what's often happened is we get in players running into the same channels, getting congested, and while Wally yes. is, I would argue, you know, up there with um, with the best um, right winger in the league, and his stats last season would back that up. For me, he he doesn't have the vision of a Nolan or a Doherty or a Lauren um, to pick up his head and find a pass. And yeah, the number of blocked shots, passes going astray, going out. Um, I put a, oh, you know, I put disapp- I was disappointed with Wally. I got a little bit of abuse on Twitter for that. Yeah, um, yeah, obviously yeah. Town fans are quite passionate about Wally, but yeah, I find it interesting that we didn't discuss this at the game when we spoke. But yeah, it's interesting we both had the same view on Wally. Parts of his game annoyed me, and parts of his game impressed me. And I think that that's kind of the way it's gone sometimes. And 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 so for me, this is the worst. Yeah, one of the worst games he's had. Um, this season, uh, Luton. It was similar, but I think he was more effective. Um, and in this game, yeah, not as not as good, mm. not not to his normal, not his normal high no. standards. It's so clear though the, the the areas that he works in well and the areas that he doesn't work in well. And I do, I do you're right about pe- picking out that tactically. It's it's quite obvious that Askey needs to sort of either change his tactics around in terms of how the wingers work or just get them to stay out wide because you're completely right about congested. That's something I was going to come to later on, and also about creativity. And I think we'll probably talk to that at the end yeah. of the game. But certainly congested. When we do bomb forward, we have so many people on the edge of the box and one bloke in it, and there's no like sometimes you look then. For for that wide ball to be able to knock it in and I'd say once once every couple of chances Wally can be out there and once every now and again he'll be just stuck in the middle and you know that the, the attacks that break down are the ones where he, him or Gilead haven't offered that wide option so yeah it does seem too congested through the middle at times and it certainly is affected by the wingers cutting in but um, yeah I mean you know he did get the assist in the end and that's kind of one of the weird things about his performances for Shrewsbury Town isn't it you get frustrated and then he pops up with something so um, we'll come to the goal in a bit but um, yeah there we go but it, you know it, it was it was a chance, I suppose, at the end of the day that he created in that early bit, wasn't it? But um, yeah. from that shot, but uh, yeah, there we go. It wasn't it wasn't the best shot ever. But um, there we go. I think there was a bit more of danger for Rovers then from that point onwards, wasn't there? You know, we, I think one of the things Askey had said in the press that I wanted to make a point was he was very clear all week, Ollie, that he wanted us to start fast, and we really did. I thought first ten to fifteen minutes was probably the best football we played in the entire game. If, I, if I'm honest about it, I think from that point onwards our intensity did drift out a little bit in that first half. We still played well, but we weren't quite on them as much as we were in the first ten minutes. Yeah, and I would say the 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 game kind of the best chance for Rovers at this point. Um, yeah, they basically drove forward. Payne got the ball um, and run forward, and water, there was a massive gap between Waterfall and Sadler at this point, which was strange. Mm. Um, then there was a corner, and this is then Rovers' best chance in the game. Um, ignoring the, the penalty, of course, um, where they had that scramble in the box, and we just about yeah. managed to get it away. Um, so that was that was a bit concerning that we seemed a little bit rocky at the back. It did. It didn't fall right for them, did it? I, mem- yeah. I remember that. It, it sort of came came down from a sort of I think a header that was blocked, and if it had fallen to one of their strikers, he should really have tapped it in. And they did shoot, and it went wide, didn't they? But um, we certainly got lucky then. And um, but we, we recovered from that, and um, we sort of went down the other end, didn't we? And we were still getting hacked every time we attacked, and town fans' frustrations were starting to build up, weren't they, with the lack of fouls that we were actually getting given 
or if we were getting given, there was not enough yellow cards being produced, was there? I know they still had lots in the first half, but certainly I felt like the referee was actually helping the atmosphere for town fans. He was certainly becoming quite um, them against us sort of thing, wasn't it, with the referee? Yeah, he did. So we had a couple of chances. Norburn had a, a good, a couple of good efforts on long range. Yeah. Then we had a foul, and then we had the glorious chance for, um, for Beckles to header at goal. Um, I wish he'd done a bit better than that. Yes, it was a good chance, that wasn't it? To be fair, he, he was sort of unmarked, wasn't he? But um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't to be, was it? Uh, Norburn's an interesting one, Arnie. I'll ask you this question because um, to me, he felt like probably the more, more attacking of the three midfielders playing on Saturday, right? But that he's not a comparable player with, say, Nolan, for example. They're very different players. Obviously, he likes a long shot. He, he gets a lot of goals. I, you know, probably probably gets more goals than Nolan. I don't know, but he, he does take a lot of shots, and that does take out of the creativity of the midfield sometimes when in that situation you might have had the more sort of a creative you know ratting midfielder in there that might then be trying to play in angle or tr- play in someone else and I, I do feel like yeah he might score a few goals from 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 those long shots but also there are times when his decision making over when to take that shot might be a little bit of a detriment um i would disagree with that i think yeah, he was okay. uh, he was involved in a lot of play um yeah, we've got a very different kind of midfield three this season. Definitely. I think Grant yeah. Grant is probably the closest to anyone of the players last season um, in terms of he plays the Godfrey role. Yep. Laurent, for me, is often the most attacking midfielder, but often mm, kind of yeah. does surge and runs from deep and gets in the box more. Where um, Oli Norburn is a, a kind of a bit of a playmaker, but plays a bit deeper than Nolan did. Definitely. Um, so he's a bit different, but he, he did quite a few um, good um, pieces of passing and Quite a yeah. few times he did play a few nice kind of balls in, um, but it was interesting that um, yeah, interesting that you kind of make that view that it potentially could pass a bit more. And maybe that's maybe the biggest theme of the game, you know, where we did kind yeah. of make poor decisions, and it's something Askey did um, did point um, on, and which actually comes to a. Um, a nice counter attack by Shrewsbury. Um, so Wally gets the ball to Norburn, who does a beautiful little flick over the Rovers' man. Um, we pass it to Lauren, who does a storming um, run down the pitch, and the ball just goes a little bit too um, too far ahead of Angle, who um, yeah, who was running in at goal. Which for me was a really nice little counter attack. Um, Norburn showing his skill, and Lauren showing his you know his, his lungs and his and his good running. Um, and it's a shame it didn't quite work. Yeah, it's probably the most sort of pretty on the eye attack of the first half. I thought that one from town. It was it was very nice very flowing and everyone seemed to know what they were doing they took the right runs at the right times other than that final ball and um, you know that was a consistent thing throughout the whole game final ball was was just not up to scratch a lot of the time and um that 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 brings me back to that central midfield three. It is very different, and I I do worry having watched Saturday, my first live game, and and judging it off just one game really in in rest, rest But I do worry about the creativity in the midfield, and and I think that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on over the next few games, Ollie. Yeah, um, definitely. And talking of midfield, um, so <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of hacks that kind of went um, unpunished throughout the whole game. There would like try and trip players and just hack after you'd run past them. Quite a few times, the referee should have gone back, and there's a few for me, a few missing yellow cards, but. To have four yellow cards in the first half is quite a few, um, yep. and then obviously then that kind of this all these fouls really got um, Grant quite annoyed, um, and the, the the moment where he actually got um, really annoyed, I, I thought that potentially they booked the wrong player. I thought it was number ten that dived in. Yeah, um, I saw Peter saying that. Yeah, but I'm not sure. And he was furious, and it took him a long time and Sadler to get involved to calm him down. Oh, Grant lost his Grant lost his head. Yeah, I, I don't know whether he booked the wrong player or not. I don't think it was Grant that sort of lost his mind at that point, wasn't it? And yeah. he talked himself into his own yellow card, didn't he? Which was and, foolish. Um, you don't want a yellow card, a central <laughs> midfielder getting yellow cards in that circumstance. Not him particularly, because <laughs> he's not exactly the uh, the sort of uh, wallflower, is he? He doesn't bulk out of challenges. And um, yeah, he, he seemed to lose his mind for the like like, like last five minutes before half time. And at one point he was chuntering away, and I kept thinking. And why doesn't Sadler go over there and pull him away? And eventually, after a minute or two, he did. But he didn't stop Grant, and and he kept sort 
trying to run away. And the next ball that got kicked from the goalkeeper came between those two players, came between Grant and the lad that had been booked. And I thought, oh, there's going to be a hell of a challenge here just as it was sort of falling to them. But luckily, I think the, the guy headed it away and it sort of kind of kind of went from there. But yeah, he looks like a, a definitely, from what Peter Brafan's told us, a very combustible type. And I can see why he's ended up getting sort of, you know, reds and yellows throughout his whole career because he just didn't give, seem to give a crap about what was going on. He just lost his mind and wasn't thinking about game management. Um which is good, I suppose. And and the funny thing about it was, I, I thought he was poor after second after half time because it, almost like Askey might have said to him, "You've got to really calm down here." And a lot of people had got into him. And I think he might be like a Rooney player. If you take that anger and that sort of, you know, like when Rooney was young, you take that real anger and aggression out of his game. He's not doesn't quite seem the same kind of player. I think so. It's going to be one of those things. He's always going to be on a sort of knife edge, really. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> so at half time, Glenn, how did you feel? Um, I don't know. I was, I, I say. It wasn't. They didn't play bad town in the first half. I, I can't say that. Um, you could sort of start to see the reasons why we're not scoring many. You could see the reasons why we're keeping, you know, been keeping good clean sheets and been playing solid at the back. Um, so there was there was stuff to be encouraged about. I'm, I'm not not saying that it was all negative and you know Askey's got to go. It's not. It. I, I thought you know the game was there to be won. I was not impressed with Bristol Rovers, Ollie. You know, if there was a team there to be beaten, and it seems like this is very similar to what you said about the Blackpool game, that they weren't a good team. They'd come to us, and and really we should have been dispatching them. So I was confident at half time that we would, you know, get the win. Really? Yeah. No, I I I thought that we were going to get the win, and I was yeah disappointed in Rovers not in only their cynical kind of style of play, um, mm. but also I thought they were pretty ineffective going forward. Um, so yeah, second half. Too right. Second half, um, a decent start from town came out. I wouldn't say any huge difference. I'm not really sure what was said at half time. Um, some re- another good burst in run by Lauren. who does a really nice step over and a shot. Um, yeah. the, then the, his shot was kind of deflected and the keeper punched it. And for me, this is one of the, the bits where I think Norburn shows his kind of guile and his ability to find a pass. He controlled yeah. it on his chest, did a nice little um, pass into um, Lauren, who turns and shoot. Um, and has a really good effort at goal, and that was for me. That was really encouraging that Lawrence got that in his locker that you can, you know, be aware of where he was and did that really good shot. His foot was striker esque. I, I thought that was good, and that's what I want to see more from Norburn. I, I didn't see that too many times in the game where he made those key key passes that put someone in in the box for for a chance. And you know, I saw him shoot more from that distance where he was with that pass than he did pass in the game. So I, I'm not being critical of him because I'll come to you later. I thought he was our man of the match. I thought it was really, really good. But you know, I can see that there's a very different type of player there from what we've been used to watching. And that doesn't, it's not a knock at Norburn, but we are playing the same tactic that we played last season. And it's, it's interesting to see how we can play that same tactic but with slightly different players in it. And, Maybe that's the reason, you know, everyone's looking for reasons why it isn't quite going and we're getting those small margin victories. It's, it's interesting. Maybe that's one of the reasons that we've got slightly different players in those positions. So, um, but no, it was a good, good bit of play, that to be fair. Um, I, was, I was quite impressed with it. Um, so, yeah, next bit wasn't so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so Clark um, gets the ball um, from midfield. He's near the byline. He does waterfall. For for a League One defender, he didn't look very League One at this point. Um, nope, he looked very poor. And then um, he waterfall, I think, does touch him on his back, and then he goes down like he's been shot by a sniper. Um, he falls down very quick, very easily. Did you think it was a penalty, Glenn, in real time? So at the time, um, obviously it was down in front of the south stand, yeah. and I'm obviously in block 17, so it was difficult to tell. But I could, you could see his hands were up from even where yeah. we were sitting. He he was obviously giving the referee a decision to make. Now, you know, I, I've seen it on the replay, zoomed in a little bit, but obviously the camera is in the west stand, so it's only a little bit better than the view we had on Saturday. To me, I can see where the referee gave it. I don't think it was... It, some people are saying it's soft. I think it was 50-50, to be honest with you. And in that situation, you know, let's let's talk about waterfall and penalties because he's given three away this season it's already, which is fairly scandalous. Um, 
And, you know, that's the sort of, you know, penalty ratio we used to talk about bloody Dave Winfield having. So, you know, he's not as poor as Dave Winfield. I have to say, his overall game, Waterfall, impressed me. He talked to Sears throughout the whole game. He was really good, experienced pro next to a young lad. Giving him thumbs up, credit. I thought he was really good on that. He won every single header we put to him at the back post from attacking, attacking play. Brilliant, really good. Didn't create any chances from it, unfortunately, but he was solid in that. Him and Sadler looked pretty solidly defensively the whole game, didn't they? But unfortunately, you can undermine all that work as a centre-back by just doing something as foolish as that that is basically going to cost you a win, which is what it did. And and it was naive, and it was and it was poor, and I expect better from a League One defender. Yeah, he's given away um, penalties in 38% of his games for Shrewsbury. Just <laughs> not That's a good a statistic. Um, so <laughs> yeah, very sloppy. And yeah, a, a guy who um, we both respect his opinion greatly, um, Andy Davis, uh, is not very keen on Waterfall as he calls him a pop no. defender. Um, no. Considering Andy played professional football, he knows a lot more about defending than me and you you know it's more about football than me and you and yeah always yeah, yeah, respect yeah, yeah. his opinion so he's not overly um impressed with the signing of waterfall and yeah he's as you say glenn i think he does some things really well he's a little bit yeah, slow and at the moment he looks like he's prone to mistakes and and you know he, let's be honest if you take it right back to the start of that whole thing why was he putting his hands on the player he got absolutely mugged didn't he, he got yeah. turned so easily and um you know that's that's why that's you end up getting in those situations that you, you're going to want to try and get back at him because he just it was very easily that he was turned down on the byline so he's obviously got to work on that element of his game as well but um yeah the pen was decent wasn't it I know Coleman got close to saving it but he hit it hard and low and, and I think if Coleman had saved that it would have been a really really good save and to be honest with you Coleman would probably be quite disappointed because he got good hands on it didn't he yeah he seemed shocked that he didn't save it because he th- he yeah. got a good he got a good hands on to it so yeah Coleman is worth just a mention for Coleman I think in the last few games he's really settled and his yeah. kicking isn't always amazing. We, we got spoiled with um, yeah, Champions League standard kicking from Henderson. His distribution was <laughs> immense, absolutely immense. Um, I think actually a game against um, Bristol Rovers was one of his best ever passes out. Where he, yeah, where yeah, it was. I think he passed it out to left back, who then passed it to um, to Rodders, who did that massive run down the left flank. Um, mm. And yeah, this is his passing ability is immense. But um, yeah, back to Shrewsbury. Um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was a good scene. Also, Payne just kind of put his hand up, you know, in terms of didn't really overly celebrate, yep. did he? No, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, there haven't been many chances on target in the game up until this point. I mean, we just talked about the Norburn to Laurent where he turned and shot at the keeper, but that was our first shot on target in that game. It was a, it was 51 minutes. I remember looking at my watch because in the first half we'd had a few chances, but, you know, we'd obviously headed over and a couple of times. So we'd finally got our first shot on target. And it almost felt a little bit like, you know, Rovers had a couple of half chances here and there. And, you know, it wasn't one of them, you know, they hadn't had many chances in the game, had they? So it was almost like a sucker punch at that point in time, wasn't it? That, you know, they hadn't created too much and there we go, they're ahead on a penalty. It was a totally against the run of play. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we gifted them, gifted them um, um, that goal. It was so, yeah, very much a, you know, drop your head kind of demoralising moment. It was it was not good, very poor. It's, it's interesting because... We'll talk about a wider picture a minute in terms of gifts because how many gifts have there been this season that we've given teams in, the, in our opening games? You know, whether it be so an individual mistake or the three penalties or switching off the last minute in a check trade trophy game. And the the point is that those gifts normally don't stand out if you're scoring goals down the other end. And so to me, it is all well and good people saying, well, it's unlucky we've been the masters of our own downfall. But it's not just those incidents that are the problem. It's the counterpoint where you haven't actually been able to negate those gifts. Do you know what I mean? So you, you can't just look at the problems that cause the goals. You've also got to look at the lack of goals as well to give it a bit of a balance. Yeah, it was... Yeah, and, we, you know, it gets the thing, isn't it? How, how, how long does... Um, mistakes come you know odd odd things or you know 
become a trend so yeah. you know they keep making these mistakes keep, keep giving these gifts um you know it becomes trends where you know at first we were frustrated with defending under mickey mellon at set pieces that became uh you know a massive weak point for us um and it nearly is, got yeah. us relegated so yes um there's a few, lots of things to work on that's for sure um but talking things to work on i think rovers be interested to see what the rovers um team meeting um discussion is tomorrow because <laughs> yeah finally rovers got a man sent off and the kind of yes. the ultimate punishment for their tactics um so martin got sent off for a very horrible challenge wally nicks the ball in front of him he just clatters him out and he has the um he has the cheek to try and claim that he won the ball and wally actually <laughs> yeah. kicks the ball onto him and the meat yeah martin's just a horrible player meathead so yeah it's good to see him gone um but and and, and here this is for me this is the first first big criticism I have at ASCII. Um, so I think we should have a bit of debate about this point in the game. So they had a man sent off um, yep. and it took us near, it took us just under 10 minutes to make a sub. And for me, I was chatting to your brother about this after the game, that for me, the game um, at this point was very kind of end-to-end and we were winning, mm. we were winning the, the game in midfield. They were playing a very classic 4-4-2 with their wingers pushed at quite high. So, you know, there wasn't any kind of any kind of concern about them dom- dominating the central field. And for me, the game was calling out for another attacking player to get on. I don't mean... No, I, for me, I didn't want another target, man. I really wanted no. someone like Faye to play in, the, in that gap um, or play Lauren much, much further up. Um, so uh, I'm disappointed. Um, so I'll put my kind of cards down. I'm really disappointed in Asuka here. I think he should have made a change earlier. The, even before the red card, I think the game was calling out for a more attacking approach, and I think we've got to push more forward. So, yeah, just interesting to, to get what's your view on that. <laughs> interesting, because you say you talked to my brother about it, but me and, and my friend who are sitting next to Jerry were talking about this, and we were both sort of saying, this is perfect for Fair. You, you yeah, want that pace the man. to get... I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to kind of, yeah, pre, um, pre, um, predetermine your response. No, no, uh, no. But we, for me, he was bringing off a fair, yeah. The man who floats, he's a bit of a forward. Get him on there. Tell him to go wherever. Tell Wall and Juliet to safe wide. And tell Faye, you can do whatever you want. And yeah, would have found him. And Norburn and I think Laurent would have found him. And yeah. So it's, yeah, it's very interesting that you guys both had the same opinion. I imagine a lot of fans did, to be honest with you. You know, And it, we eventually ended up with you know doing these subs and stuff. And we, we basically put the, the two big blokes up front, didn't we? Um, and then later on, the last sub was weird. We, and we left the last sub until 90 minutes. What's the you know point what I mean? of Time bringing in a man there? It's like a chance. He might have a little chance. He might get a flick on in the last minute. Um, he's but, gone and whacked the shot. He's not going to. Yeah, he's not going to get do anything. Oh yeah, for me, it's the first time I'll have a real criticism of Askey, but I think his substitutions and his game management was quite poor in this one. I don't know whether well, he take- was because he made a sub, didn't he? Against as um, as Nathan explained, he made a sub um, in the Checker Trade game, and that went against him with Haynes. So I don't know whether he's a bit cautious because of that. I don't know. I I feel like he's quite a cautious manager from from everything I'm hearing and what I saw on Saturday. And I also think he's quite a, a, a not negative. Negative is the wrong word, but he's not negative because we play quite attacking football. But there's a word and I can't think of what it is. Yeah, conservative. That's a great word. Yeah, because you know, we, I know we did play this tactical season under Hurst, right? And but it worked, and there was some sort of different element about it that Asi can't quite re- replicate. But let's be honest, you know, they came and played two up front against us in that game. In all in all honesty, and they were away from home, and they've also started poorly, you know. But they trusted that their forward players would get them in the game. Didn't work for them. They looked pretty crap and ineffective up front. But I would like to see us play two up front in games against poorer teams at home. I, I do feel like we've got this amazing squad that everyone thinks we've built. Why can't we trust? Fay and, and Holloway or Fay and Angle to link up and have a little bit of a partnership and the, the main reason for it is he loves all the midfielders he's obviously bought and he's got to play them all but um, yeah, I don't know I, f- I feel like it's a little bit negative but I think that's probably a bit too harsh to start banging him over the head with that 
at this stage. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, I, I don't agree with the, the two yeah. up top is more attacking. You can play two at top and no one runs forward or or you know, makes a run or you know kind of moves, you know, play a, a very defensive 4-4-2. So for me, it's all about where the players are and whether they get in the box. And Yeah. But in this game... Bangle got isolated a lot. Yeah, I think, well, kind of like the modern game is dominated by possession and the kind of number of men in the middle. But as we said, you know, me, you, Jerry, didn't think that that was a concern. So, yeah, no. this, it was, for me, it was perfect for the Fae or even a Ganua to go and play in that attack midfield role, which Hurst used to do. And I think that's the difference is that um, yeah. Hurst used to just make subtle changes. Go, a go-go sometimes she's set next to Godfrey. Nolan sometimes would play as a proper number 10 and he, he could do that. So, you know, we went from a, a two, you know, a four, two, um, three, one to a, a four, three, three, and we could mix it up, couldn't we, whenever we, whenever we needed. And maybe that's just a lack of time on training. Mm. Well, it was like we were saying. We were talking on the way out, talking about you know, Askey can still turn around and say, well, we're kind of still in pre-season with this team because of how late it came together and all that. But you know, it's starting to get to the point where that excuse doesn't wash. And um, you know, you've got to be careful because loads of town fans I've noticed on social media the last week and particularly after the game last night were saying it's not fair to compare this team to the team last season even though we're playing the same tactic we're mostly playing the same teams we probably had an easier start this season than we had last season and yet at this point last season we just won our sixth league game in a row (laughs) and this season we've got three points and haven't won yet right and I know that that comparison is very stark but at no point did you think well it's not it's not fair to compare it to six wins in a row I get you that, but there's there's halfway house between that and what we've got. And at no point, if you look in the overall context of this, can you say that the start of the season has been anything other than a bit disastrous? You know, yeah. it couldn't really have gone worse. Well, this game's quite a, an interesting comparison. Obviously, when we played Bristol Rovers, we were just absolutely flying high. Brilliant. It was a glorious yep. Tuesday night and everything kind of fell into plan. But yeah, the difference between the two results is quite stark. Roughly the same time of the season, those games as well. So, was you know, was it, it? I can't remember when the Bristol yeah, Rovers yeah. won. It was but, an early Tuesday night game. But um, yeah, um, not a, not a good... So, yeah, I think the um, the criticisms um, of of um, Askia try and starting to gain weight in there, in a kind of in how powerful they are. Yep, yep, yep. There we go. But the game wasn't over yet, so obviously we went down to ten. And I thought from the moment they went down to ten men, we were just awful at trying to capitalise on it. We maybe had a good first five minutes, but I think, and we'll go through some of the moments in a minute. But the last ten minutes was turgid stuff yeah. in terms of trying to break ten minutes down, uh, ten men down, and and that again, there's there's criticism to be labelled there. You know, if you can't find the key to unlock a win against te- a poor ten man team, um, you know, I know we scored and we'll come to our goal in a minute, but to me, that was three points there to be taken, and Askey just couldn't find the right the right equation to do it. And the longer the game went on, the more I felt like one. The legs went out of us, and a lot of players noticeably tired. And two, the heart went out of us a little bit, and and there wasn't quite that drive and, and determination that you would see. And I'm going to say it last season. Sorry, say it again, but you saw last season. You know, not maybe the players are not any better or worse, but there was such a different desire about teams we've had in the past, and obviously the, the, we've had worse teams as well. But there's just so many noticeable comparison, comparable things, really. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. Glenn. I was reading a good article um, with Eric Dyer today, and he was saying, you know, you know, it's not all about who you sign. I mean, it's about the mentality of the team and how they play and the kind of the willingness and the culture to win. Okay, it's not yeah. a great example because Spurs have just lost 2-1 to Watford. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, just turned it, I turned it off before we started recording, Ollie, and they'd gone 1-0 up, so there we go. Um, but yeah, for me, it's an, interest, it's an interesting one. And Yeah, so what happened next? So we had that penalty claim. Do you think it was a penalty? I think the keeper comes flying out and, and touches Angle. Whether it's enough for a penalty, I don't know. I don't Would think it well, was a pen, but it's definitely a bit dangerous from the keeper. No. Then we bit risky. Yeah, well, then we did score. Um, again, it was an own goal, which is a bit unfortunate in some ways. But yeah, good. We kind of Wally did his did his thing. Um, he got the ball from Lauren, ran in, did a man, crossed the ball, 
ball in the back of the net. Worley doing his best, starting out wide. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, one all. And then, as you say, then you know the game just yeah. Um, I just I felt so infuriated um, that we didn't go for it. And again, it's an interesting question: Was it the players kind of just lost their legs, lost mentality, or is it the manager? You know, I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I was quite having, having not. I mean, not watched the last few games, Ollie. To me, it feels a little bit like they know they're eight games in, and there's a bit of pressure on them, and and that pressure was looking like it was. If there's pressure, to weigh them down well, why aren't they trying a bit harder and going forward? Because nothing happened in the last kind of ten, fifty minutes. And um, Becky um, was chatting to me, said asking what happened. She was following the game um, via Twitter and watching, um, and in majority, Lewis Cox's tweets. And even mm. Lewis Cox said the last ten minutes we were turgid. But yeah, um, just a, yeah. So on, I'll just going on for a tangent for a moment. How how knackered did Beckles look? <laughs> and okay, I I like Beckles. I thought he had a very very poor game. He did two foul throws in the first half, which is basically unbelievable. And he, well, he he got two did two foul throws that got caught. He did a couple yeah, of second half as well. <laughs> he did, and uh, the referee was like, "I can't be bothered with this anymore." He he overall he gave the ball away a lot. He, he looked better in the attacking play again than, than mm. probably defending. But um, he didn't look which great. Is, which is yeah, which we said before. But he in the last clumsy. 15 minutes, right, to say he was unfit would be an understatement. He could barely run at points. And I could not understand in that situation why the hell... Like, I said to Jerry, because I've obviously not seen Haynes play live yet, I was like, how bad is Haynes that he hasn't yeah. been able to get on here? I don't understand it. I, I, it, it really... I, I don't know. Fitness has never really been a concern this so far this season. I hadn't seen that as a an issue, but it did seem a little surprising. Maybe it was just Beckles and he accentuated it because he was in front of us. But he, mm. for me, <laughs> I'm going to wind you up now. For me, his performance is basically what I saw in Granderson in terms of just a bit clumsy and just yeah, quite poor. And he was he was he was a poor performance in Beckles, isn't it? That's unfortunately. Yeah. I, I can't say anything other than that, and I like the guy, and I think hopefully he'll rediscover his form. Exactly. But he's been shunted from pillar to post so far this season, and it is difficult to settle. And, and when you're in and out of the team, there's some excuses for him. But in essence, he was tired in the last 15 minutes. Most of that poor play came because he was 30 minutes. And I think 60 minutes he was. Yeah, gone. true, true. I know, I agree. And, and overall, the whole game, he wasn't brilliant. No. But that last period, he was obviously not just fatigued, he was mentally fatigued by the look of it. And, you know, my, my brother made an interesting point where he was saying that in the first half, he played left, uh, left back, didn't he, in the sun again, like at Wembley and he played in that blazing hot sun and my bro- Mike was like he's having Wembley flashbacks here because he obviously played really poorly in the Wembley final didn't he and and you know he was just but cooked in the heat wasn't he and maybe Mike was like saying he had a little bit of PSD, P- PTSD coming from the Wembley experience <laughs> that's why he played so badly but it's quite an interesting point but yeah he, he was tired but I'm, I, you, know, you know you can point to some other players tiring I thought Angle tired a little bit and he's obviously not had a pre-season with us and, and any pre-season as far as I'm aware and then there was a couple of players where the legs sort of went out of them a little bit and you do wonder you know you know, we keep saying we're in this preseason phase because of how late it came together. I personally saw that from my first game that I thought they didn't really have the legs in the last ten minutes. Now we compare it back to last season. Why did we get so many late victories and why did we score so many last-minute goals? Because they were super ultra fit. This team is settling in with new physios, new fitness staff, um, and a new regime of some kind. And is it quite as good as what we had last season? I don't know. Well, again, it's something that you can't make that judgment on yet. It's something that I'm noticing from my first game, but it's definitely something I'm going to keep a track on. You know, how many how many times are we going to let be the ones that let in late goals or the legs come out of us? But, yeah, well, you um, could ask yeah. question that as well, Glenn, linking it back to the fouls we gave away at the end of the game in Luton. Yes. Which is normally a consequence of tiredness. Yeah, Rovers had a few fouls at the end, didn't they? Yeah. Where they could have like nicked it again. So um, there was that. I say we, we talked about the goal, um, and uh, we went from that. Beckles got really tired. Yeah, the game just died off, didn't it? And 
that was it, really. I suppose uh, my my overall view, Ollie. I'm going to say this now. I've been thinking about what town fans' reactions have been online, right? Just to, to to come back away from the game a little bit, right? There's definitely two camps forming, isn't there? Not there's well, there's three camps. There's a very very small camp of people who are like, I just want to get rid of John Askey now. That's not many people, in all fairness. No, there's, there's, a, two, guy, there's, there's a guy on um, Facebook called Phil who every <laughs> single time he posts, he put Askey out in capitals. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel that that's very very still the minority, right? Yeah. But then there's the other camp that are like. This is not good. I'm not impressed. Here are my logical reasons as to why I wasn't impressed with the football over the last few games um, and our reasons that are going on. Plus positives as well. I'd say that camp also has some yeah. positive things to tour upon as yeah, well. Yeah, there's still positives yeah. in there as well. And then there's the other people that are just ultra, ultra positive that some people even saying that we're playing better football this season than we did last season, which I cannot get my head around in all honesty, right? I can so see that argument that- though. I think at times we've played some really nice intricate passing football. And often we were quite defensive counter-attacking team under Hurst. Um, so I could see I could see the argument. Your brother had that view. Yeah, yeah. He was he was my my brother was sort of saying that man for man there are better players in this team than there were last year. And then we started talking about it and probably settled with a few. But my overall view of it, having watched that game last week, is it sorry on, on Saturday was they are a pretty team. They play pretty football. Right, but they're pretty ineffective. It's you stole my soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. They're pretty. They are. They're pretty ineffective. Sorry, and mate. and it might be nice to watch, and it might be like quite in- entertaining to look at and see. But it is not the sort of football that is going to win all that many games. From my initial viewing of that, and so yeah, pretty football, pretty team, pretty ineffective on Saturday. Sorry, mate. That's funny. It's okay. <laughs> I'll let you off. Ollie. Cool. So that. So yeah. So yeah. Bit of a drab end to the game, and yeah, kind of left quite uh, frustrated, and yeah, lots of murmurings. I was made my um, graceful and yeah, pretty walk out the back of the West Stand through the back of Sainsbury's, past the yeah. closing down on Toys R Us, um, over to the, <laughs> the car. So yeah, it was a yeah, a bit of a bit of a frustrating and yeah, um, disappointing kind of end um, to the game. Let's say. It was, it was. And that leaves us in a bit of trouble, really, in all honesty, with two hard away games coming up. But we'll, we'll talk about the next few games yeah. in the next section. But um, so, there's a few few other points we, we haven't really covered. Yeah, on, so go on. So who was your standout Rovers player of the game? I, I've put down who uh, I think who I, I went for. I can't remember his name, but I could have picked either of their centre-backs. I thought they were both really, really good in dealing with Angle for most of the game. I thought they were they were solid players. Um, I just didn't look them up, Ollie, because I'm not as experienced and prepared as you. But I thought in terms of why the game didn't go our way, you've got to give those two centre-backs a hell of a lot of credit, in all fairness. Yeah, so um, yeah, I thought they were they were quite good. So I think it was Craig and Lockyer um, in central okay, defence. Um, yeah, they, they were quite solid. Uh, for me, I went for Clark. Um, I thought he was quite decent on the ball um, yeah. and, and obviously did really well to win the penalty. So for me, he was my standout player. But yeah, you good good point. Um, the two central defenders did quite a good job, didn't they, um, controlling. But then at the same time, we didn't put them under too much pressure. Um, no, but they were they were they were, yeah. they were very neat and tidy. So, I thought yeah. and they didn't give away half as many free kicks as, as our, our our sort of defensive. Well, they did. did get, time, they did so. both get booked, but um, but did who didn't get booked for them? <laughs> well, that's standard for a Bristol Rovers team, isn't it? <laughs> right. So um, I think we'll just have a few kind of. Um, points to debate so yeah Glenn Howard what, what was your kind of first opinion of us watching Sears play I thought it was really good reminded me of when we threw a young Ryan Woods into the right back position from from sort of ver- ver- variously nowhere and um, suddenly it looked like you'd found a player that knew what he was doing I thought he didn't look as young as some young physically kids he's in very there. strong he's... didn't he he's very stock not yeah. stocky stocky would be like you know so you'd think someone like um um the striker, the play, the winger who plays for Liverpool. I can't remember his name. Shakiri. He's not, oh, not stocky yeah. like Shakiri, but he's 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 well built, isn't he? He's strong. He's a, he looks like a professional footballer. Yeah, we're considering he was up against Rodman, and he sort of bullied Rodman a few of the times. I, we should really talk about Rodman. He was dreadful. He was dreadful. Honest, but interesting point yeah. actually for Sears. I think that was a as a as a 
was good for him playing against someone that he knew so well in Rodman. He knew what he was going to do. Yeah, he obviously he's been training with the first team all last year, hasn't he? So yeah. he knew exactly what he was going to do. I think suited tears to the ground. I thought he was good. His passing was crisp. His tackling was good. I thought he read the game quite well. His interceptions were, 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 were sort of spot on in terms of his overall positioning. He was talked through the game by Waterfall. Who I, I say I will give credit to him for the way he did that. Um, he did get caught out, I think, twice. Once in the first yeah, half, once in the second half, where it might have cost us. But you, you wouldn't expect anything else of a young pro making their debut. And um, yeah, I had him in my top three. I thought he was really good. Yeah, he was good I, for me. Yeah, nineteen-year-old. Um, he's from Newport. Um, and yeah, he'll be he'll be nineteen until until December. His birthday is the thirtieth mm. of December. So, yeah, yeah. tell you what, he's born in nineteen ninety eight, which makes me feel incredibly old. Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> you what was it World Cup ninety eight? Wasn't it France? God, he was only born when that was on. That was I was eighteen then. Jesus! Oh, it's frightening how old we're getting yeah. watching these young kids coming through. But yeah, I suppose it's not going to get any better, is it? But um, yeah, good debut. And and I I personally, you know, it's it's very difficult. I, I suspect this kid we've got on loan from Ipswich is a good player. Yeah, and he was really good for Rotherham last year. So he's probably going to get. Ipswich fans are furious. <laughs> Every yeah. single tweet after they'd announced that he is leaving was negative, and I'm very disappointed he'd gone. So yeah, for me that's 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 normally a good sign, isn't it? But he's going to be unlucky to get drops ears in my opinion next yeah. Saturday. But it'll happen. Yeah, and it's great. He's got a bit of a presence on Twitter as well. Um, yep. I said to him, you know, he's now a chance to um, claim your spot. Um, and yeah, he seems like a good lad, and yeah, good good luck to good. him. And I love, uh, you know, we've said this many times on the pod, haven't we? We love it when we have um, our own players come through. Um, you know, to steal the the Spurs um, kind of hashtag of yeah, one of our own. It's fantastic <laughs> to see players come through. And yeah, fingers crossed he does well. And yeah, good luck to him. Yep, cool. And then the next question we had on Twitter was from uh, Owen O six Owen O six. Talking about, do we do we agree that many fans need to be patient with ASCII and look at it as a long-term plan of two to three years instead of panicking after five or six games? And obviously, it's way more than six games now. It's eight, um, no, isn't it? Eight. It's, it's, it's six, eight. six in the um, in the league, two in the cup. Yeah. My view is, well, it's not 10 games yet, so I'm not going to really make too much of a judgment on ASCII overall. I think we've given our viewpoints about that game and some of the things we think are an issue, but... You know, we could look at it as a long-term plan of two to three years, but I, you know, we weren't building from. You know, I know we lost a lot of players, but we weren't building with no money and scrapping around for free transfers. You know, this is something that he's put together at quite a cost to our football club. You know, with club record signings, so it needs to click sooner than two years, Ollie. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so you, I, I think it's fair to say both of us are not panicking. Um, not too much yet. But I would say the kind of my seed of doubt has been planted now. I'm a little yep. bit concerned. Obviously, only got three points from six games. That's that's very much relegation form. Um, yep. Asking needs to turn it around. Um, and looking ahead, Portsmouth won three nil um, and go into their 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 stadium, the little island with nineteen thousand um, home fans. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough. So, yeah, I think it's probably worth just closing off this game, Glenn. In terms of yeah, who did yep. you go for in yep. your top three? Uh, so I think we've talked through it all. Norburn, Norburn. I've mentioned how good he was. Um, I've just talked about Sears. So I had Norburn first, Sears second, and I had Sadler third because. Um, I love Matt Sadler, and I think he's just such a constant presence of security at the back that um, he always stands out as having had a good game to me. Cool. I went for Laurent first. I thought his his presence um, in the game, and well, again, he needs to start scoring, but I think he's a, um, his, his um, combative style I really enjoy watching. So I went for him first, Norburn yeah. second, and, and Sears third. Cool. And Askey had a, quite an interesting interview at the end, I thought, in terms of, uh, you know, he was sort of pan- pandering to the fans a little bit. But yeah, go on, run, run through what he had to Yeah, say. so he said we shouldn't have given away a pen away. He says it wasn't a pen, um, but we only limited him a few chances, which I think we'd, we'd all agree with. Um, we said we played well, some attractive football, but we need to get better in their box and we've got more work to do there. It's the cutting edge, the final ball, and we need to react quicker in the in the opposition's box. Um, he says we can't not play us for their effort. 
Um, and then, yeah, as you say, he went on to, you know, he just went off on a tangent to kind of say, you know, he's really pleased that the fans supported the players. You know, when we went behind, <laughs> the fans stuck with the team. Um, and again, this comes back to Homont by Kirst, wasn't it? And probably maybe something that he'd experienced at Macclesfield that you wouldn't have got that support from from many other teams. So I think that is that is one thing that we are. You know, we're a very patient lot. We are, but in all fairness, town fans won't go around to boo a lot of the time unless it's terrible. Like a lot of fans just buggered off. Over. Yeah, it didn't take us like after um, after you'd left. I sat there for a couple of like another about another twenty seconds, Glenn. By the time I walked down the steps from block seventeen, the whole stadium was empty. And I was yeah. I didn't hang around. I would I didn't I didn't like, you know, sit there on my phone and, you know, start tweeting out and, you know, didn't phone the missus. I literally just like sat there for a little bit, chatted to you, and then went down and everyone had gone. Um, I saw um, Holly on Twitter had put that she couldn't see the last 10 minutes because everyone was walking in front of her. A lot of people left with at least seven, eight minutes to go. It all boggles my mind that. Even one of our mates that sits by us left with this sort of a few minutes to go and it's a 1-1 draw against 10 men. You're like, well, if we're not, <laughs> if it's, more like, it's a good chance we might score the winner here. But people just get a bit, you know, when the life goes out of a team like it did in that game, the life kind of goes out of the fans. But people well, leave early just... even last season when we were playing amazing yes. football. I agree. I don't get it. It's not like we've got to get it the tube be... or something. But anyway, um, so yeah. Um, and then, yeah. In terms of the red card, he said it was only a matter of time um, until um, they had a man sent off. The amount of fouls they committed, um, he said, was surprising. He says it's, he says he don't think he doesn't think he's seen as many um, fouls and bookings as in that in the first half, which was um, mm. disappointing. And then, interestingly, um, Glenn, so I stole your kind of um, your saying in this pod, and we often sometimes <laughs> are on the same page. Um, yeah, me and you both tweeted pretty much exactly the same time after the Telford manager had been on the radio. So yeah, he's obviously they're doing really well, but he comes across amazing, doesn't he? He's obviously an ex-town player as well. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I always walk home and I put my radio on um, on my iPhone and stick my earphones in and listen to Radio Shropshire on the walk back. And to be fair, Radio Shropshire, there's some of the calls and texts were fairly asking out straight away. So I think they were trying to cover it with a bit of balance at one point then. But um, it's a tough job for Radio Shropshire to do that when you get all the mad people just texting in straight away. But um, yeah, so Gav Cowan came on. Um, obviously, yeah, you're right, he's ex-town player. And as I've said to you before, his, children go, well, his child goes to my kid's school. So I see him around the school and he seems like a... Absolutely lovely bloke, to be fair. And this, the contrast between him and Askey is, it's almost gone from like when we had a more engaging manager. I can't remember what it was now, but I mean Mellon, and Andy Sinton was the manager at Telford. And it was like, Christ, Andy Sinton oh, was Oh, man, he used to it's go on. Like, yeah, it was, it was the Mickey Mellon. Yeah, it was the Mickey Mellon era. He's a cheeky chappy, Gavin Cowan. And uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. And obviously Chris Hudson, who came on the podcast a long time ago, um, he worked for Radio... Uh, he worked for the Shropshire Star and he covered Telford for for a few time, for a few years and he, he basically watched Gavin Cameron play for Telford at that point because I think he went to play for them as a, after he left us and he was like he said he said on Twitter Gavin Cameron's a good guy he's got a great coaching business and now showing he can manage too as an ex-town player who knows one day if we'll see him at the Meadow <laughs> and what I've heard from him obviously they're doing really well they're doing really well in the league yep. good shout sickening yeah good shout so I think you know if, if um, you know the, obviously Askey won't be here forever um, it's very unlikely he's going to be shooter town manager for eternity. You never know. It'd be a, maybe a good shout. Well, everyone's desperate to get away from Telford, aren't they? So if we ever <laughs> offered him a job, he'd take it. So there we go. <laughs> so there I we mean, go. Oh, here we go. That probably wraps up the game. I think what, we were going to do a bit of a salad news and prediction section. We'll just roll yeah, on exactly. because uh, we've, we've had a good pod here and there's been lots to discuss. But the only other thing from the game I want to discuss, Ollie, is chips. So I was obviously informed that they were selling chips uh, in the buffet, and chips has been a, a passion of mine for a long time. Um, and they were the worst chips I've had in my entire life. So in life. terms they of expectation, so, so, so you had so out of 10, how excited were you for the chips? I was buzzing. 10 out of 10 for excitement. excitement. I was more excited about the chips than I was the match. So you- and uh, went up there, rolled up, £2.50 for a punnet of chips, got them, went and walked up onto the, the terrace to sit down to eat them. And they had been 
cooked about 10 times. They, they resembled like a crumbly cardboard, fat piece of paper. And they were horrendous. Honestly, they were so bad. And I'm sure I got a bad batch, right? But they scooped them out of the tray. So that everyone got a bad batch. But that is not how you cook chips. I gave them on Twitter. I gave them a solid 3 out of 10 as a review. <laughs> Would not buy again. So I'm going to give them a second chance. Of course you will. Four or five weeks <laughs> as, a, as a test. And if not, I'm done with chips that should be down. But, you know, it's it's at least the best you can say is at least they tried. And then my brother came up and he'd had a burger and had not time for any lunch. And he also commented it was god awful as well. So I know they've changed the menu and they're actually doing hot food now and, and not just pies or sausage rolls. And that's good. But flipping out my feedback is it's dreadful and then we ran out of fizzy fizzy montgomery water as well <laughs> yeah Plimmer, ran out of water i'm uh, um, giving the uh, a bit more insight so it shows you how bad the well not the bad the, the you know the results are as well but yeah it's um there's still there's still things off the pitch to fix i hate npm catering a lot more than i hate the football including some of the things on twitter as well because i think it's fair saying that you've just seemed to have got i think you've almost just got tired by the sheer numerous numerous mistakes so the and thought i went to actually listen to um the um, pre-match ascii interview that wasn't on iFollow, so that was very disappointing um and then yeah there was again a, um, a numerous numerous amount of um, typos coming out um and not only that they, they copied and pasted a typo on twitter onto facebook and posted it twice. Oh. Um, and well, you can't tweet automatically from Twitter onto Facebook anymore, which is a shame. No, it's annoying. Yeah, it, 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 I don't have too much of a pop in it, but like, it's 2018, right? People from an old generation might say, well, you know, what we put out on social media isn't really all that important. But there's 26, sorry, 26, 63,000 people received that tweet. It's embarrassing. And, and it, we're talking about mistakes like they put out the poster for advertising upcoming games and spelt September wrong. The very first word on the top of the poster in massive letters and in September was spelt wrong. I went on to look at some ticket news this week about Bristol Rovers. It, it, the language was like Yoda had written it. Um, and there was other ones. That, and, and I always pick them up because I find it incredibly comedic that we keep doing it. But and it doesn't seem yeah. to be any kind of quality control in what we're putting out. At the end of the day, though, I, I still will go back to what I've always said about our, our media and, and department. It's massively underfunded. It has too much work and it's difficult to spread. They, they do spread themselves very thin. And so there is a legitimate reason as to why this happens. But I wish someone at the club further up would take note of all these problems and think, right, what's the best way to deal with this? Investment. It's not about bollocking someone for doing something wrong. No. They're, they're working damn hard and they've got a lot of work to do. But someone needs to give them more staff or more money or more equipment to sort it out or a social media specific person to deal with all of that stuff and take it away from you know the, the key members of staff that are doing the other key stuff at a football club because they just don't just do social media they do all of the, the PR and all the program all the website so I, I, I hope that you know somewhere along the line something gets flagged up I, I would hate for anyone to get into trouble over it but at the end of the day the club doesn't need to get to grips with it because it is a massive channel for getting your news and your public face out into fans of all ages there's so many people of all ages on Twitter and Facebook and you know other places as well so it does frustrate me because I think it makes us look completely embarrassing at times yeah no I totally agree with that so carrying on the frustration Glenn predictions um, I was op- too optimistic yep you were. I went, you I went, went for a win. win and you went for a two all draw so you got you didn't get you didn't get the right score but you no. get a point for um, for the draw so good start to the prediction league for you Glenn I'm ahead still I'm waiting ahead. for my and present so, by the way but yes it's it'll be sorted <laughs> I didn't get my scarf until the snow started last year <laughs> so you have to wait a bit yeah um, but obviously this week we've only got the one game to cover next week so it'll probably be a short yeah, podcast okay. but, um, so maybe you can maybe do away. the um, bit of discussion maybe about Paul Hurst and his exit yes. maybe next week unless we lose 6-0 at Portsmouth when I imagine it'll be a very long podcast yeah. but um, um, yeah so Portsmouth away 
Incredibly difficult. We'll probably lose two nil. Yeah, are you going? I I can't. No, I can't. I can't make this. I'm going to Scunthorpe the week after. So what are you going for, Glenn? You're a point ahead, so I think the honour falls to I, you. I, say, I just said I think we'll probably lose two nil. Two nil. See scoring too many, and and I think that they've they've been doing really well. They won three nil at home on Saturday. Um, so against Plymouth, who were bottom, they're crap. Um, and and we're second bottom. So why why would they? Yeah, they've got sixteen points. We've got three. It's a good start to season. <sighs> two nil. I'm. You've gone two nil. I've got three scores in my head. I've got 3-1, 3-0 and 2-0 in my head. I'm oh, sorry, 2-1. I'm going to I'm 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 going to go for 3-1 <laughs> defeat. 3-1 defeat. 3-1 defeat. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun next week when we've not won in nine games. Oh my god. That sounds bad, doesn't it? That sounds really bad. If we've not won in 10 games, that's Oh, yeah, but it, you get, even Mickey Mennon had a better record to come than back. that, didn't we? When we do the um, ten game review, it's going to be interesting. So we'll have to get a few guys on for support to so that one. We'll have to do some comparisons to Hurst, Mellon, and um, Askey <laughs> in terms of points. Well, it's very easy with the data collection, but yeah, it's, it's it. I mean, at the end of the day, John Askey is the is the worst manager in terms of his start at this football club in the history of the club, and that is a, a terrible statistic for anyone trying to win a fan base over uh, who have not been overly. Uh, sorry, not everyone. I. I I, just don't want to, I don't want it to come across. I'm saying everyone's very negative about ASCII. And I think it's been fairly balanced by us to say we're you know in the middle. We can see the bad and the good. And it, this season could go either way. I, I, I hate the polarising opinions that we've got sometimes. Because to just bury your head in the sand and say, oh, we're playing nice football. It'll all be fine. Don't worry about it. And, and you know, we'll finish 16th. Well, yeah, that might happen. But in all honesty, we could come back to the meadow in a few weeks' time. Having not won in 10 games, be rock bottom by, say, three points. And and even if it starts to turn around, you're coming from such a bad position that it's it's not irretrievable, but it's certainly irretrievable for any kind of exciting season. So, yeah, everyone keeps saying Plymouth went on that run, but they won 27 games. Well, they didn't lose for 27 games. Can you really see us doing that this season? It's going to be a challenge, but can, can <laughs> we, I, I'm, I'm trying to think, Glenn, as you were on that rant, I was trying to think, can I think of a positive to end on? And mm, I can't really think of one. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, we need a win. Yeah, I think. Let's leave it. Yeah, we need a win. Um, And yeah, we'll be back again next Sunday. Thanks for all the questions, guys, and we love all the feedback and comments we get. um, Whether they're criticising us or being positive or just having a good debate, it's always good. I'd always say recommend Twitter. The Facebook group seems to have increased the number of debates, which is good to see. But Twitter for me, yeah, is definitely the place for football debate. So thanks for you guys for listening. We love um, the fact that you all listen, and we get yeah. Thanks for all the feedback and comments, and yeah, and another week, Glenn. um, And yeah, still waiting for that win. (laughs) Keep on dreaming. Catch you next week, guys. Oh,